National Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, or at bellford.com. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G done right, by Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort Casino, home of Bar Canada, a north of the border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra smooth, Arizona owned. Behind the mask, whether on the ice or in line, we are the Valley Headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M Drive, the presenting partner of What Drives You, M Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates. Get your personalized shower shoes and koozies at icetimehockeysw.com forward slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is part of the icetimehockeysw.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the Southwest. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the beautiful D Las Vegas Hotel and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Scott Strandy joining you, not from Scottsdale, Arizona, my familiar spot, but from the press box in the beautiful Ralph Engelstead Arena in Grand Forks, North Dakota. We just watched uh, the first semifinal game of the NCHC uh, championship, the frozen face-off, if you will, completed. Um, I know this is professional hockey, folks, but uh, there are some professional players that are going to be coming out of the uh, college ranks soon. So um, a lot of fun to watch it, a lot of fun to uh, see the competition uh, in probably the best conference in college hockey, the NCHC. So um, we're talking professional hockey tonight. they got a great guest. As I said, it's NCHC week from Grand Forks. So why not bring a North Dakota native in and uh, bring in Mike Peluso tonight? We're going to introduce him here in just a few minutes. I wanted to give you a quick rundown on where we stand in the West in professional hockey, though. The Honda West Division uh, right now currently led by the Vegas Golden Knights with 37 points, uh, Minnesota with 35, Colorado 34, the St. Louis Blues with 33. So your top four within four points of each other um, as we quickly approach the midseason point of the season, the much shortened season with 56 games uh, on the schedule for the regular season. Uh, the bottom four, Los Angeles with 28, Arizona with 28, San Jose with 25, and Anaheim with 22. So uh, a very well-balanced uh, Honda West division. Um, you look at what's happened so far and you see that uh, the difference being, I think, goaltending. And you look at the Vegas Golden Knights and they've done a fantastic job getting through the uh, Robin Leonard injury. Robin um, at practice today uh, more than likely will play. I don't know if he's starting. I think Mark Andre will be the starter tonight, but um, Robin seems to be back in uh, conditioned shape and ready to go, so we're happy for that. Uh, also, the AHL teams uh, in the the West are playing very well as, as, uh, as well as we um, get into the American Hockey League. The Henderson Silver Knights continuing their uh, – Unbelievable start for the fastest um, team in AHL history to get to 10 wins. Um, 
they hold their spot uh, at the top of the uh, league standings in the West. And give me one second here, folks, as I do this live. <laughs> Anderson Silver Knights with 22 points. And again, a, a winning percentage of 846. Bakersfield is a team that's come on strong lately with 16 points uh, and a 615 winning percentage. And then the Barracuda snuck up the uh, the line as well with a 542 winning percentage and 13 points, uh, followed by the San Diego Gulls with 18 points and a 500 winning percentage. The Tucson Roadrunners at 500 as well and 12 points. And uh, the Colorado Eagles in at a 417 winning percentage and 10 points. The Ontario Reign with eight points and a 267 winning percentage uh, round out the Pacific Division. The uh, the thing we're here, folks, is that uh, the San Diego Gulls have played 18 games. Um, you look at the other teams, the Tucson, Colorado uh, with 12, and San Jose with 12 games due to the COVID protocols and the snowstorm in Texas and all the different things that they encountered. Um, so a lot of games in hand for the teams that uh, – that are uh, chasing um, the San Diego Gulls, you would think, with their 18 points. But Henderson, 11-2-0, just continues to shock all of the uh, American Hockey League and certainly the Pacific Division. So we look forward to getting back to getting some more coverage for you on that. Uh, with this week concluding, tomorrow night there will be a championship game here in Grand Forks with the uh, – um, St. Cloud State Huskies already securing their spot in the title game. Denver and North Dakota will go here in about uh, two hours, and uh, we'll have that one for you as well as we uh, will be parked right here in the center ice and keep an eye on things that are going on here in college hockey as well as professional hockey. In the meantime, let's uh, take one quick break. Let's come back and let's bring on my special guest tonight, the uh, University of Minnesota Duluth Hall of Famer, the uh, former Philadelphia Flyer, Chicago Blackhawk, Mike Peluso is going to join me right after these messages. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. If you live in the valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. And the breakfast burritos serve all day to combination plates for lunch. Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. 
Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. All right, we're back, folks. The Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Stranding joining you, not from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight, but from the beautiful Ralph Engelstead Arena as we are between uh, uh, games here at the uh, Frozen Faceoff for NCHA Hockey. Uh, it's my pleasure to bring on an old friend, an old bulldog, an alum. Uh, Mike Peluso is joining me. So, Mike, how are you? I'm gone very well. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm doing really well. This is my solo show Monday night, so uh, you have to put up with me. But uh, <laughs> how are things for you going right now? You know, I usually get a break this time of year, you know, where <laughs> I, I get done ice fishing. I usually have like a week or two to kind of unwind and start all over. But uh, this year with the crazy weather that we had, our ice kind of disappeared on us a little faster than we like. So now I uh, literally went from one day on the ice to the next day in the in the boat. So uh, I guess the open water guiding seat is upon me. I'm not going to get any <laughs> any opportunity to take a breather here. But you know what? That's all right. Yeah, I can't argue that. Busy is always good. As you uh, probably know, I am parked in the press box of uh, Ralph Engelson Arena and uh, doing the show here live this week. So it's a pleasure to be back in the great state of North Dakota. And um, the hospitality is good as always. A uh, little disappointed today, though, Mike. Our Bulldogs uh, succumbed to the uh, – the St. Cloud State Huskies in the three-two game. Yeah, it's going to happen. You know, it's a tough, uh, tough league. I mean, anybody can beat anybody at any given time, and uh, it just makes for really good hockey, obviously. But you know, they'll they'll most likely get their bid into the NCAA, and we'll see what happens from there. I guess. Yeah, you never know, right? I mean, you just put it together. But uh, before we get too deep in this, uh, I want our listeners in the Southwest to be able to understand just who Mike Peluso is. So uh, I announced that you're the, the 2015 Hall of Fame inductee for the Bulldogs. But tell everybody about your playing career and how, how things went for you on the ice. Well, you know, as uh, for, you know, a kid growing up in North Dakota, you know, Bismarck, North Dakota, which is considered the western portion of the state, uh, you know, it was very kind of a uh, – a tough, tough road to climb, so to speak. I mean, there was really not many kids that had come out of this neck of the woods uh, to play hockey. So it was kind of a, kind of a trendsetter, so to speak, you know, as far as uh, making my way, you know, across the ranks and stuff. And, you know, I battled, I, I uh, had a very good high school career out of Bismarck and uh, set the state scoring record my junior year and felt I needed to try to, you know, maybe expand my, my hockey horizon a little bit. And I ended up joining on with uh, Mike Genzel down in Omaha. Right. The Omaha Lancers, my senior year. Actually, Mike Hastings was the assistant coach at that time, too. And uh, played there for two years. You know, I had some op- opportunities to leave and go elsewhere. And, and uh, I, I kind of held tight. And, and uh, the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs decided to take a chance on me. And lo and behold, I, I went there and uh, started playing right away out of my freshman year. And I guess, as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> Absolutely. Then you got a little chance to play in the uh, NHL as well, so you got some experience there. Uh, just tell the folks what that was like for two storied franchises you played for in Philadelphia and Chicago. Well, strangely enough, Chicago was my favorite team as a kid growing up. So, <laughs> getting a chance to actually wear the jersey for them, my very first, you know, my very first game ever was pretty surreal. To be real honest with you, I mean, I I'd been called up a couple other times and. Just never, ever, you know, would I don't know, just something would happen. I wouldn't get to play. And finally, I had an opportunity uh, to play uh, in Nashville and uh, 
got lucky. Jumped the boards, picked up the puck, and shot shot it. Scored a goal <laughs> my first shift, first shot. And you know, you think it's going to be easy after that, but right. Uh, you know, the tough thing that a lot of people probably don't understand is how you know professional hockey is laid out. It's it's a business. You know, you got a lot of guys that are on you know high dollar contracts. They've been there for a long time. I was a I was a guy that was you know considered a skilled guy that you know maybe a goal scorer. Uh, those guys don't move around very often. So in order for me to get my chance to play, you know, I needed somebody to usually get hurt or something to happen. And uh, certainly college kids weren't looked looked at in the same, you know, eye that they're looked at today. I mean, college kids today are, are put, you know, more, you know, more into those roles right away where as when I was go- going through, it was more of a major junior uh, a look, you know, they took a lot of the, the, the kid, kids out of Canada that played major juniors, and they were kind of the first ones to get get the crack. So uh, the landscape's changed, but I, I'm certainly proud of the fact that I persevered and bat- battled my way to, you know, don an NHL jersey. And, you know, I had a, a great opportunity. I played a lot of games in the American Hockey League, probably, you know, well, close to 400 there. And, uh, I think one of the more special things that I got an opportunity to do was play for Team USA in the uh, World Championships in uh, Saint Petersburg, Russia, and that that to me still is very high on my uh, you know list of hockey memories that I'm very fond of. Yeah, I can believe that for fact. Um, you know what I do in in the Southwest is cover college and professional hockey, and I jumped on board, Mike, because uh, Arizona State started a college program, and I figured they might not get the coverage they deserved, and of course they didn't and don't, uh, in my estimation anyway. But I also added American Hockey League action, and, and you talked about the number of games you played there. But when when I cover American Hockey League, I think it might be. Uh, some of the best hockey to watch because there's so many guys trying to get to that next level as you're well aware of. And uh, the pricing is good and and the fans get so close to the action. I know in the Southwest, it's like, you know, Tucson, Henderson, San Diego, Ontario, it's become a bus league. Um, Talk a little bit about that. If you can, about the American hockey league and the growth of it. You know, the American hockey league is very underrated. I think you hit it kind of right on the head. There's a lot of guys that play in that league that, you know, should be playing in the NHL. And, you know, kind of like I alluded to earlier, you know, they just may not fall into that category within that organization and get an opportunity to play. So, you know, it, again, it turns into a business. They're, you know, they're a, they're a piece of the puzzle and, you know, they'll, they'll be inserted, you know, if need be. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Kids are battling each and every night to try and, you know, get that opportunity to get called up. And, you know, there's it, it's a it's a the pyramid gets pretty tight on the top. You know, when you really look at it, and I, and I had an argument with my dad actually the other day. We were talking about baseball and hockey, and and you know, and I don't know what the right answer is, but it was just kind of a fun argument. And he was saying, "Well, it's got to be really tough to make it into the you know, major league baseball." And I said, "Well, I, I can't believe that NHL hockey could be any different." He, you know, and he goes, "Well, there's you know." more people probably playing baseball. I said, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's really break it down when you start looking overseas. I mean, hockey is absolutely huge overseas. I mean, to the point where that is their sport and, and it's crazy the amount of people that are playing and you know what, they all want to try play in the same spot and that's the NHL. Let's, let's, you know, call a spade a spade. So it gets tough. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a real fine line there to make, make that, uh, that next step. And that, that step is ginormous. I want to ask you about this season because I know you've seen uh, what's happened uh, with the pandemic and uh, the way things have rolled. But uh, I said many times over the last year that I'm so proud of hockey and the way they handled things because I thought 
they took the lead. Uh, I use one word, Mike, a lot. I say relevancy. And uh, I think especially like in our club programs and NCAA programs and, and even up into the pro ranks is that you, you have to stay relevant, especially in a sport like hockey, because if you don't, you can lose your fan base quickly. Your thoughts on that? Oh, there, no, no, no question. I mean, you look at what's taken place with hockey over the last decade or, or, or maybe a little bit more. I mean, it's grown and it's gotten big and there's kids playing all over. But, you know, a lot of that has to do with the NHL, you know, expanding into new cities and the southern markets and, you know, teams like, you know, ASU. I mean, it's just it's huge for hockey and the growth is there. And you're right. You got to stay relevant. And I think hockey's done a really good job. And, you know, I know they did their best to salvage last year's Stanley Cup. And I, and I thought they did a pretty good job there. And my hats are definitely off to the NCHC of how they've, you know, pulled off what they've done. And I'm um, looking at the TV right now and I see the Big Ten's going and Wisconsin just knocked off Penn State. So, I mean, everybody's kind of figured out the way to kind of skirt around all this stuff. So, uh, you know, pretty pretty cool to see it. You know, I, I look here locally, uh, the uh, North American Hockey League, the Bismarck Bobcats, they've had a full season, which has been absolutely outstanding, and so did the high school program. So certainly hockey's done a great job battling through this. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I want to jump back, if I can, to the AHL, because what we're seeing also, Mike, out in the West is that uh, the NHL franchises are pulling their – AHL teams a lot closer and I know when you played you probably didn't have quite that advantage but uh, I'll take Vegas and Henderson for example it's a 20 minute drive and uh, you're able to have a new facility have your NHL franchise be right on top of your AHL franchise how important do you think that is in, in development from the AHL to the NHL? Oh, it's huge. And, and, I, and I guess my very last year playing hockey, I was fortunate enough to play in Philadelphia where their farm team was in the same arena. So, I mean, we, we yeah. literally spent a whole year uh, there where I never felt like I was playing in the minor leagues, to be honest with you. I mean, we, you know, we use the same training facilities, the same practice facility, the same, same everything. And you walk into the arena, you know, there might be, let's say, Jeremy Roenick or John LeClaire or, or somebody wasn't feeling good that day and you'd walk in and your stuff is over on the other side and you'd go <laughs> practice over there. So it, it never felt, it just never felt like you were playing in the American Hockey League. But I, I think from a development standpoint, it was great because you were in front of these guys, you know, day in and day out and they could see your work ethic. They could see your, you know, you're on time every day. You're, you know, you're very intuitive to what's going on and, and focused and, and whatnot. And I, and I think that's, that's a great thing. You know, I, I want to touch on that a little bit, too, because um, when I started up our company six years ago, Vegas wasn't Vegas. <laughs> well, Vegas was Vegas, but it wasn't an NHL franchise yet. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, so I jumped on board because I knew Bill Foley and I knew what he wanted to do and how he was going to attack things. And, and lo and behold, he did it. Um, Murray Craven was his uh, number one man to make sure his building got done within a, a year's time. And then I think Murray said, I had to leave or, or Bill was going to drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I watched the development in Vegas. And uh, I think they're just like a model community because they've a uh, hockey community. Because what they've done is uh, they've added rinks. They've brought in. Uh, young groups to play that youth in high school. Uh, they just, you know, continue to keep going and going and going. Um, when I saw the new Henderson facility for the AHL team, uh, one of the things that they talked about was it's all glass in the training area, in the uh, workout area. And uh, Kerry Bubolt, the president of the Golden Knights, told me 
That was done specifically for accountability. He said, visibility is accountability. You kind of touched on that with, uh, with your stay in, in uh, Philadelphia, but how important is that? Well, it's huge. I mean, that's, I mean, that's one reason why I was excited to play there. You know, I was, I was like, you know, these guys are going to get to see me, you know, day in and day out. And unfortunately the NHL locked out that year and uh, kind of sent a lot of guys, you know, in my, my age bracket kind of packing for a lack of a better term, but it is very important. I just think it's, you know, when I played in other organizations, we'll use Portland, Maine for an example. And that was the Washington capitals. I mean, we were, Kind of, for lack of a term, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, um, I played in the St. Louis Blues organization, kind of the same way. I was up in Worcester, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So, yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I just think when they're close and they can see you on a, on a daily basis, that's a that's a huge advantage to those organizations. And I, and I think you're going to see more and more of these uh, teams pulling their American Hockey League teams closer. Yeah, I think you're totally right on that. Okay, let's jump back a minute. Let's talk to your uh, your days at, at Minnesota Duluth. Uh, I was there about, oh, I don't know, 14 years before you. <laughs> but but I remember going there to play golf, and everybody thought I was nuts to, uh, to go to Duluth to play golf. But some of the most fun I had was uh, being on that campus and being at the old rink. And now, of course, they have the new beautiful Amsoil rink. But uh, give us some memories from Duluth, if you can. Oh, you know, it was, honestly, it was like the four greatest years of my life. I mean, I, I had a lot of neat things happening there for me personally. I mean, I love to fish. I love to hunt. I, I had it, you know, just minutes down the road from me. Um, I had a lot of family up in that area. You know, my whole family's uh, roots are on the Iron Range and, 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 a, and a few others uh, up in the Roseau area. So, I mean, I had a lot of family close by and, you know, certainly Mike Sertich and I hit it off and, you know, to this day, we're still great friends and, uh, for me, it was just a really comfortable place to be, and you know, I loved playing in the deck. I, I absolutely could not wait to play games in that building. It probably it was probably tailor made for me simply because it was a little shorter ice sheet, and, and I didn't skate all the greatest, or I wasn't as fleet of foot as some of the other guys. So I could I could lumber around out there and and uh, you know shoot the puck from pretty much anywhere. And uh, again, that was just a great place for me to play. And, um, you know, I sent you an email earlier. I got a phone call from a guy today out of the blue, uh, Duluth guy. And he says, do you know what day it is today? And I said, I have no idea. He goes, he goes, think where you were at uh, March 15th, 1998. And I, and it hit me right then. I knew exactly what he was talking about. It was the night that we knocked off the Gophers in, in a playoff game after being down four goals about with about 10 minutes left in the third period. And we actually came back, tied it up and won the game in overtime. So I love it. And, yeah. And I actually was the lucky one that got my stick on it in overtime. So, you know, it was just one of those days. And, it, uh, you know, to hear somebody call you, like I said, completely out of the blue today and, and let me know that it was pretty cool. And that's some of the reason why I, I absolutely love Duluth. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – I, I remember my four years there as well. It was so much fun to, to be there uh, on the golf side of things. We'd play until uh, uh, October – the first weekend of October, uh, Mike, and then it would snow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was, always, it was always a conference tournament. And it would be frozen, and you never knew whether you're going to get your fall season completed or not. It was incredible. And then, and you know what you did? You put the skates on, and you just started skating on the outdoor rink. So you did whatever. But um, it, it, it's such a great community, and to watch what Scott Sandel has done uh, there is just unbelievable. Yeah, he has uh, completely, you know, resurrected that whole community as far as you know hockey goes, and. 
you know, it didn't, it didn't hurt, you know, that he ended up with a beautiful rink to help him along. But, uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> comes, that, yeah that, I mean, that comes with saying with the program that you're, you're sitting, you're sitting in one of the greatest arenas in the, in the world. And, you know, it's, that's just the nature of the game these days. I mean, if you don't have the facilities to recruit these kids, you're going to, you're going to struggle. And, and uh, Duluth saw that, Duluth's a hockey community, and, and jumped on that. And, you know, the Amsoil is a great arena. Now, you know, personally, would I rather play in the Amsoil or the deck? I, I take the deck's atmosphere any day of the week. But, uh, <laughs> I boy, I'll you. tell you what, when you, go, when you go downstairs and get to see what those kids get to, get to use every, each and every day, it's, it, for lack of a better term, once again, I know I use that a lot, it kind of pisses me off because, you know what, that, that would have been unbelievable to have that. And, and uh, we just didn't. I mean, our workout facility consisted of uh, one stationary bike, a, a, can, a can with some concrete in it, and a rope tied to a pole, and you, you roll it for your wrists, and maybe a dumbbell or two, and that was it. So, uh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, let, let me tell you, when, when I got to Arizona State and I sat down with Coach Powers six years ago in his office, but they were, they were just announcing that they were going to become an NCAA team. I'm at Oceanside Ice Arena, right? The seat's 900 if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, the, the players will come by and, and slap the, the top of the roof uh, <laughs> with their sticks. Uh, the press box sits uh, about two and a half feet above the players' bench. Uh, uh, my seat is uh, right underneath a rafter. Uh, so, I mean, you look at what uh, what they've done, and, and Coach Powers said to me, he said, you, you know, I'm just looking for hockey players that want a spot. There's not enough stalls, in my opinion, in college, so – I want to find places where I can bring uh, quality hockey players. And when you say facilities are one thing, but it doesn't hurt to have 75 in the in the wintertime and sunshine either. Oh, you know, I, I knew where you were going with that. And it kind of, yeah, exactly. But you're right. I mean, who wouldn't want to play there as well? I mean, you got, uh, if you go to that, I know I've been online and checked out the campus and stuff. And, yeah, there's lots of beautiful women, and the weather is fantastic. And you know what? What a place to play. But again, you know, Powers hits it right on the head. I mean, it, he's giving kids an opportunity to play at at the highest level of college hockey, and, and that to me is what it's all about. So, uh, hat goes off to him because man, he's built you know a great program there, and I I see nothing but uh, unbelievable future ahead of that program. Okay, so let me follow that up by saying that the. The 14s are in the ground now for the new building that's going to go up there, about 6,000 seats or something like that right on yep. campus. And uh, my thought is is that it's, it's bringing back the college hockey environment. I talked with Darren Looker up here today and did a little feature with him, the PA guy for, for uh, Ralph Engelstead Arena, and I said, one of the things I like about college hockey is the environment, right? It's so much more than just the game. It's, it's what's going on around you. It's the band. It's all of that stuff. Uh, how much do you feel like you know a, a school like ASU needs to involve that in order to be a a, a real first class hockey program? Well, yeah, I think uh, you know obviously if you're building a new facility, I mean I'm, I'm guessing it'll be state of the art. But at, at the se- same time, you know I think in North Dakota is the exception. I mean North Dakota draws kind of like Green Bay does, it, you know Packerland. <laughs> right. I mean it, it don't matter <laughs> if that town's twenty thousand people. There's going to be twelve thousand people stuffed in that arena. So the atmosphere in there is still pretty good, but I, I think a lot of these college buildings lose that that electricity because you know they want to put a few more people in there, but a lot of times it's not completely full. And uh, you know, again, like the old Ingolstadt Arena, I mean, th- these fans were literally on top of you 
uh, as much, you know, just like they were at the deck. So I, I think if you can combine the, the electric atmosphere with uh, state-of-the-art uh, facilities, you're going to have a hard time getting kids not to want to come play for you. So I, I think it's huge. You know, I know you remember back to the days of Michigan Tech and, and how difficult it was to play in places like that and uh, <laughs> and the old Mariucci uh, in different places. But uh, it, how important is is resurrecting that? I think we talked a little bit about it just now, and I think you answered it pretty well. But I just think that college environment has to involve a pep band. It has to involve student sections that are uh, rabid, if you will, yep. uh, if you want to succeed. And, oh, no question. Uh, and I think, you know, one thing at North Dakota is when they pack this building, uh, right now it's about 2,700 fans, but when when it's packed, I mean, it's an environment, isn't it? Oh, it's insane. You know, and half that, that one whole side is all students, and they're just going, you know, crazy. And, you know, again, the band's rocking, and, you know, play, that place is electric. There's no doubt about it. Is it as electric as the old Ingolstead app? Probably not, but at the same time, they, <laughs> they can still do it pretty well, you know. And I, and I but I do. I think that's all got to be built into whatever you're you're trying to sell. And you know, I look at out here in Bismarck. You know, we've got a uh, an ACHA team with uh, uh, the Bismarck uh, uh, University of Mary. And, right. you know, they're, they're trying to build a program. They're going to have a national tournament, the national tournament here this year. But you know, they're they're not playing in their own rink. You know, they they, they play over Mandan. But I think at some point in time, if they want to make a jump or or what have you, they, they got to build an arena, kind of like what you're talking about, something that you can, you know, maybe it's 4,500, 5,000 fans, what have, you know, whatnot, and just make it electric. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So so as long as I'm at the Ralph Engelstead Arena here and you played at the old one, I want you to tell me a memory that you had as a bulldog coming in to play oh. uh, the fighting suit, if you can think of one. Oh, I and, got, and, man, no, I got go. lots. I mean, that's okay. the problem with that place. No, no, we, we got time. There's plenty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, want, I want to know something because uh, I'll tell you well, the first memory that came to my mind uh, seeing a Minnesota North Dakota game was the frozen gophers that would get tossed on the ice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Tell us about an experience or two or three or however many you want to oh, tell us about. I, about you coming into that building, especially being a North Dakota kid. Yeah, that, it was tough. I mean, I you know I I was recruited by North Dakota. Gino Gasparini and, and the and the crew you know recruited me pretty heavily. And um, you know it, the, what happened there was just it it just was kind of it took too long in, in my mind. And I, I think they were trying to figure out if I would come to North Dakota, you know, maybe on a partial scholarship or whatnot. But you know, my family was not very so they well were lowballing you, is what you're yeah, saying. Basically, <laughs> basically, you know, and I, I understood it, you know, but again, it was a you know, it's a it's a business for them as well. And, um, you know, I had full, full scholarships, so it's kind of it was kind of hard right away to, to you know, not take a full scholarship. They, they did finally offer me a full scholarship. The problem was it was about the same time I was signing with Duluth, so it, it made a little bit of a, a stressful, you know, situation, but you know, it was fun for me to come here because. Uh, half the student section I went to school with, so so that was a problem. You know, I was I was <laughs> catching all kinds of you know heck from from them, and then there was a few individuals that sat very close to our bench, and you know, they they liked to heckle me pretty hard hardcore. And, and uh, it turns out there was a, an individual that that I didn't know who he was at the time, but I him and I would absolutely go at each other. You know, if I was if I was on the, I mean, this guy would just. I mean, it was terrible. Like him, him and I were just going, you know, kind of screaming at each other, throwing some pretty, pretty <laughs> deep insults. 
And it uh, turns out uh, the guy is now the coach up here at Hazen. And I had to play a lot of games against that <laughs> that club over there. He, he kind of oh. reminded me that that was him. I, I wouldn't have known unless he'd have told me. But then as soon as he told me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't repeat it on air what I had said back to him. So we'll, we'll just leave it at that. But, I mean, there was just so many of those stories where – you know, I caught I caught hell for leaving. I mean, I guess that would be the best way of putting it. And uh, it was funny. I ran across Dean Blaze. You know, played with him uh, in that uh, team with USA over in uh, Saint Petersburg, Russia. And he was pretty adamant that if he had been coached there, that there was no way in heck I was ever getting out of the state of North Dakota. So, you know, it's funny. It's and I got a lot of good friends from that team. I I mean it. You know, it's just it's just crazy how the hockey world goes. I mean, I you know I I fished with many of them. I've, I've you know, just played hockey with them down the road, whatever. I mean, it's funny how it all works, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was always great times when I'd go there. I couldn't wait to play there. And I, uh, when we had their, when we had a hall of fame induction thing, they had put my career stats up uh, on, the, on the board <laughs> against all the, all the WCHA teams, especially sure. North Dakota and Minnesota were the ones I put the most <laughs> points up against. And I'm guessing there was a reason behind that. So uh, yeah. it, it, it was fun. I used to get so excited to play those guys and I, I couldn't wait. And, you know, it was just, it, it made it uh, that much more enjoyable. Okay. So, so I want to ask you this. Um, when we talk about uh, recruiting and things like that, we had Pat, Pat McLevy on our college show a couple of different times. And, and one of the things we, we always joke about with him is that, uh, Mike Surditch never really recruited him, and we asked him why. He said, well, Mike came up to him, uh, I think, the senior year, the start of his senior year, and he said, um, you know, we're not even going to try to recruit you because we know you're a Minnesota guy and you're going to go to Minnesota. <laughs> he said, so we didn't even give it a shot. Right. And Pat said, I was kind of hurt by that because he said, I might have considered it. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a lot, there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, okay, so I, I – I also want to talk about what you're doing now because I follow you, as you probably know, like a like a stalker because I like to watch your fishing <laughs> stuff as well. But tell everybody about fishing in North Dakota. I know my co-host on, on Sunday and Tuesday night for the NCAA shows is an ASU grad and lives on Long Island, New York right now. I know he's listening. So tell him about fishing up here in North Dakota, both summer and winter. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, that was something that I just have always done. I, you know, I fished from a very young age and couldn't wait to do it, you know, every single day, you know, and I was a seasonal guy. I, you know, played hockey hard in the winter and then, you know, once the spring and fall showed up, we fished hard and then summer was baseball and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're very blessed here in North Dakota. We've got three major bodies of water with uh, the Missouri River system running right through the state uh, that combines into Lake Oahe and Sakakawea. And then we've also got Devil's Lake. So, I mean, we're kind of in a mecca of major bodies of water that are, you know, world-class. In fact, just two days ago, the North Dakota State Walleye Rector was caught, you know, literally uh, about a block from my boat when we were out there the other day. It was a little over, <laughs> little over 16, 16 pounds. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that, and that was pretty exciting. And, I, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I think it's going to get broke again yet this spring. I, I think there's a couple bigger ones out there. So it'll be interesting to see if somebody does clip that. I'd love to be the guy that can say that I, I did that, but <laughs> we're, we're starting to get up into some, you know, pretty unattainable numbers. When you're talking almost a 17 Paul walleye, that's pretty crazy. But uh, I got to believe there's one out there. It's, it's, just, it's like Bigfoot. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, again, I, I, uh, I took, I took guiding on full time here uh, two years ago. I stepped down from coaching. I coached uh, both the, 
the Bismarck High hockey team for 11, 11 years, and then I was also assistant coach with the North American Hockey uh, Bismarck Bobcats. Uh, so I, you know, I was almost fifteen years in of coaching, and it was just time to, you know, I make a change. You know, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy coaching because I absolutely love it and it was a passion, and you know, I, I kind of thought I was pretty, pretty decent at it, but. Uh, the problem, uh, that, the problem. That's, that's an understatement, my <laughs> friend. I, I saw you coach, and yeah. I know what you did with some kids, and I know what you did with some, some talent that needed to be developed, and you developed it. So I also know it wasn't exactly uh, uh, the, the most pleasant thing for you to end that coaching, but uh, we'll leave that in the, in, in the dark because I don't yeah. think we need to bring that up. But, no, uh, I mean, it, I think it's pretty well documented that I, you know, I, I didn't see eye to eye with the administrators and I didn't agree with a lot of things that were happening with the, the landscape of high school hockey out, out here. And, and unfortunately, everything I fought for, it wasn't for me, it was for the kids and to make hockey better in general. And, you know, a lot of times when you got a guy that continues to do that, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of a, a bullseye, so to speak. So, yeah, it was fine. You know what? There's been a lot of changes since since I left, and some are good, some are bad. And you know, maybe I had something to do with that, and that's not such a bad thing either. But uh, again, I, I'd probably still be coaching. You know, had a few things taken place to, you know, maybe alter a few things just to make things better. But it is what it is. I'm not ever going to say I won't coach again because you know who knows what what happens, and you know your life always takes rights and lefts and and all that. So we'll see what happens, but. As of right now, I, I do guide full-time in the winter now, and mostly up on Devil's Lake, North Dakota. And, uh, again, I, you know, like I said earlier in the show, I, I thought I was going to get a little break here. I thought I was going to be able to watch a little more hockey <laughs> on TV and go to some of the Bobcats games. But uh, our river opened up uh, right away here, and the uh, ice melted. So <laughs> just got to dust back off to the work. Boat. Yeah, back to work, I guess. And, uh, the, good, the good thing is my phone has been ringing off the hook, I think, from – from uh, tomorrow, starting tomorrow again, I, I've got like four days off uh, up until May third, so I'm I'll be going pretty strong here now for the next month and a half, which is good. I I, I don't handle idle time real well, so for me to, to stay busy, <laughs> that's a good thing. Okay, so so for the people in Arizona, Nevada, uh, Utah, Colorado, Southern California <laughs> that might be listening to this podcast, how in the world can they hook up with you and enjoy some some at least summer fun? Uh, getting out of the heat in Arizona, coming up and, and seeing you on the big lake. You know, it's uh, I'm fairly accessible. I got a website, uh, MikePelusoOutdoors.com, uh, and then I've got my Facebook pages, both my personal one, and then Mike Peluso Outdoors and Guide Service. And um, boy, I tell you, I get people coming out of the woodwork. It's it's pretty cool, and it's something I really enjoy. And and uh, uh, give you a little side story. I, I had a group call me here this winter, and there I, I noticed it was a Duluth number and didn't put much together, you know, just kind of, you know, excited to, excited to get you guys out here. And uh, lo and behold, it turned out to be uh, the old PA announcer at the, at the deck for the UMD Bulldog game. So are you kidding me? No, I was able to, I was able to get him to go, here's your UMD story. <laughs> and he did it. I love I'll tell it. you what, it, it. it absolutely made my, my hair stand up on the back of my neck. And I, I looked at him, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And he's like, oh, this, this is the best. So, you know, it, it's stuff like that. I, and I, it happens over and over. You know, there's just different times you run into people that, you know, you never expect to see again. And, and that to me is just something pretty special. Uh, last night I had Eddie Christian on uh, and we were talking talking hockey back in the day. And, 
and, and we were talking about this pandemic and how the NCAA is going to select 16 teams this year when, uh, you know, Frank Serratore told us that uh, there was no cross-pollination this year. <laughs> so, yeah. so we said, how is the pairwise even going to work, right? And uh, right. we were talking about that, and, and we've decided uh, kind of as a group, I think, uh, that uh, – what should really happen is that everybody should get together on the fish house. But now if the, if the ice is gone, that's going to be a bad idea. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we thought maybe the committee should get together in the fish house, either Devil's Lake, Lake of the Woods, somewhere, and, uh, and, and just hash it all out that way and, and make it a real, a real selection show. Yeah, no, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> I, I feel sorry for those guys because that's going to be tough to – Narrow that down to sixteen teams. I mean, it really is. Like, like, like Frankie said. I mean, there's no cross pollination. I like that analogy, but you know, how do you how do you judge? You know, where everybody's at. I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting one. But you know, I guess when you look at it, the bet the best should still win. You know, I guess that's how I always always look at it. The the team that's supposed to win will usually figure out a way to win it. So, yeah, totally agree with you. Well, I'll give you another Frank territory one. We we asked him about this season uh, at the beginning of the year, and he said. Listen, guys, all I care about is playing 13 games because the NCAA said you have to play 13 games to qualify for the tournament. He said, once we played our 13, then we'll talk about what our win-loss record is. <laughs> and lo and behold, he got 13 on the number played this oh, year. Wow, That's It was crazy. crazy. And then he's, he's getting ready to go into the tournament two weeks ago. And I asked him, I said, so how healthy is your roster? And you'll love this one too. He said, uh, well, we're really healthy now. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah. He said, all of our guys kind of had a COVID party. <laughs> and we all got it at one time. He, he said, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, like when, yeah. when you used to get chicken pox and all the yep. mothers put you together <laughs> yep. for a chicken pox party. Oh, but boy. only Frank Serratore could come up with that one. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's something else. You know, I got a great Frank Serratore story, too. He recruited me when I was in Omaha to come out to Denver. And, and you know, and, and he grew up in the same uh, city that my dad grew up in. And he was a bat boy for my dad's you know, baseball team and whatnot. So there, there's some family history there right. and uh so i i'm i go into the arena and he had a he had a kid I'll, I'll leave his name i won't say his name but let's just say that he used to live in the same community playing for him at this time and i could tell there was some friction on him this is during practice there's some friction going on and, and uh, frankie just kind of like glued on this guy and this they for some some reason they were all of a sudden there was conditioning drills and this guy was—he's a big, big player. He—he's uh, <laughs> doing sideboards, and I think the very last sideboard that he had to do, he decided to lunge into the glass, you know, like <laughs> kind of like a hey, f you, you know, Frankie, and, and the glass gave out, and the guy went through the glass into the into the bleachers, and Frankie come and corked again, and all heck broke <laughs> loose again, and, and then he gets off the ice. He goes, "What'd you think of that?" I'm thinking. I don't know if I want to subject myself to this for four years, <laughs> to be real honest with you. But, oh, it's just, you know, we had some good yucks over the years, too, when I was coaching the Bobcats. And, you know, he'd come in and recruit. He, he actually recruited some of our guys and actually a lot of our guys. And it was always fun. You know, we always would uh, reminisce. And he'd be like, hey, you know, oh, what you guys doing that power play in Omaha that year on that five on three? I know you scored a lot of goals. There. What were you guys doing there? You know, these guys are, you know, they're they're sponges. You know, they don't, they don't care where they're getting their information. They'll they'll get it any which way they can. And that, you know what? That's why they are where they're at. And that's it's so awesome to to say that I've had a few pretty uh, pretty funny moments with that guy. 
Well, now, now I got one for you because his his sons, uh, at least one, maybe both, came to play for the Bobcats right mm-hmm. after the Bobcats became a franchise, I think. Yep. And I was covering them when I was up here uh, for the four or five years that my mother-in-law was uh, was ill. And when I was covering them, uh, all of a sudden he figured out that somebody was there frequently. And I, I would get these crazy messages from Frank all winter long about how was this? How was that? <laughs> and I'm going like, don't you have a life? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sounds familiar. And right now, right now, I told him the other day as I was driving up this way, I spent four days in the Denver area and I, I sent him a text message. I said, Hey, I'm driving past the air force Academy and I forgot to tell you good luck against Bentley. And it took him like 30 seconds to respond. And I, and, and he goes, Drive safely and wave at the academy when you go by. Uh, well, I, I almost drove off the road. I was laughing because I'm going, well, right. seriously, man, you got a hockey game coming up and oh, you're, yeah. you're texting back me 30 seconds after I send you a message. Oh. Uh, he's a piece of work. He's awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think I think we determined through Micheletti and, and Jess Myers that he should be called the, the hockey czar of college hockey. Yeah, that'd be a good, that'd be a good, <laughs> be a good title for him. For him. Yes, it would. <laughs> okay, so so I want to talk a little bit about a serious note that we we lost a bulldog and and it it came up to me when I saw the seventeen patch on on the uniforms here. Uh, Mark Pavlich uh, uh, struggled to say the least after uh, all of his success. But as a as a former bulldog, and you know what uh, Bob Harrington and, and Mark and all those guys meant to the program, uh, memories of Mark that you can throw out there besides the gold medal. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I well, obviously, you know, his pictures are all over the place in the locker rooms, and you know, I'd heard, I'd heard different stories. You know, you don't, you don't know which ones are true and which ones are not. And you know, Coach Sergich and I used to have. Uh, well, he was drinking coffee. I was drinking water, but we used to have about a <laughs> really, <party>. really, yeah, <laughs> thirty drinking coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, that was before I got into coffee. But anyway, I, I'd go into his office pretty much on a daily basis, and we just, you know, I mean, most, you know, all, all my teammates thought we were in there uh, talking hockey, and and I was I was in there kissing butt to you know get on the power play. But at the end of the day, we were talking fishing, and that's the true story of it. And he told me the story one time that he had. Uh, you know, I know you've probably heard the story. There's actually two published stories that stick on my mind. The first one was he had wounded a partridge, and he, he <laughs> smuggled it into the arena and put it in one of the teammates' lockers, and when the guy opened the locker, the partridge <laughs> flew out and scared the crap out of him and whatnot. And the other one was they had the president, I don't know who would have been at that time, that was visiting Duluth. And Mark Pavlich was out hunting that day, and they had practice. I think they were practicing in the other arena at that time, so they were supposed to park somewhere else. Well, the whole deck area was cased off with Secret Service and everything else, but they were letting the players park in the back. Well, Mark didn't think think anything of it. He had to take a shotgun and put it in the trunk of his car. Well, the minute he pulled that gun out to put it in the trunk of his car, I guess the Secret Service had him pinned to the ground in about 2.2 seconds and certainly didn't know where he was for practice. And that's, that's what happened. So they, they figured out a way to – and it's, it's something along those lines. I know it's not word for word, but it's uh, very close. But, you know, I, yeah, again, walking in the arena, I always saw – you know, knew him from obviously the 80 Olympics, but then – to know that you're playing in the same college program that he he played in was pretty special. And, you know, John Harrington, 
uh, you know, he was another one used to kind of run across him quite a bit when I was coaching. And uh, again, the, the Duluth connection was always special. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's sad, you know, it's just one of those deals. And, you know, I always kind of envied Mark that, you know, he was able to kind of live out on his own and just kind of wanted to be left alone. And, you know, there's something to be said for that as well. And, you know, something that I admired of him. Yeah, I understand completely on that. And I had heard the Partridge story. <laughs> I hadn't heard the Secret Service one, but that yeah, one, you have to you have to, to ask if you ever run across thirty again. You have to ask him about that because he can tell it a heck of a lot better than I can. But I, I know that did happen, something along those lines. So. Yeah, uh, that does not surprise me in the least. Uh, okay, so so let's kind of wrap things up. Um, and, and thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It really makes the week for me to uh, be able to visit some old friends as, as I'm up here. But um, just the development of college hockey right now, uh, as you look at it, I mean, the players, like you said, are getting faster, more skilled. They're going into the NHL. Um, how did that happen? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of it, a lot of it is it, kids have shifted their attention to want to play college hockey. You know, so you're, you're seeing more kids that may, may have taken the major junior route now, you know, deciding, you know, maybe I'll go play a couple of years at North Dakota or a couple of years at Denver or where, wherever. And uh, so certainly you're getting, you know, some high-end recruits coming into the league. And, um, you know, I think equipment, I, I think that's had a huge factor in, you know, these kids all being able to skate like they do and shoot the puck like they do. I mean, back back in the early days, I mean, if you could shoot the puck, that was that was a talent. And today everybody can shoot the puck. So I, I think there's certain things, you know, that have leveled off that way. But, you know, kids train pretty hard now. Uh, you know, they're, they're goal-oriented. A lot of them are one-sport athletes, which personally I don't, I don't agree with. But that's, that's the, the route it's gone. And, and, again, I mean, if I'd, have, if I'd have come out of college hockey putting up the points I did today, I, I'd have been signing multi-multi-million-dollar contract coming out of college. But, you know, that's just the way it, that's just the way it is. It, you know, landscape has changed. Uh, I, I think uh, you know the programs have all progressed as well with their training facilities. And again, we talked the buildings, and everybody's got the best of the best. And why wouldn't a kid want to go there and, and basically work out for four years to have a chance to play in the NHL? And that, that's what a lot of kids are doing. Yeah, I, I get it. When we had Eddie on last night, he said, uh, uh, "I'm going to tell you something right up front." He said, "You probably already know this," but he said, uh, "Students didn't come or." Uh, let me rephrase this. Hockey players didn't come to the University of North Dakota to, to go to school. They came to play hockey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I know, and, I, and I, know it's, I know it sounds sounds bad. I mean, a lot of these guys do take their schooling seriously, but, you know, let's be honest. Most of those guys are there, you know, for one reason only, and that is to move on and play in the NHL. So it's just a stepping stone. You know, school is certainly an, uh, an important part. they got to get their grades to, to continue to play. So, you know, they still got to do the work. There's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, you know, why would a kid uh, really want to go to a certain program? Well, you know, they're going to look at everything that it that it has to offer and uh, decide if that's the place for them to go. And, and like I said, they're basically going there to develop for four years to get ready to play at the next level. Well, I appreciate your time. I'm going to end it by saying this, is that every time I see one of your pictures on your Facebook page of a big walleye, my uh, – <laughs> I start salivating because I love walleye, and uh, I swear to God, I, I'm going to take my co-host from New York out here, and uh, 
and, and get you to take us out on a boat somewhere and, and catch some real fish. So uh, look for us in the summertime. Uh, Absolutely. I, I got to take them around and show them what real hockey is in the, in the great <laughs> north. So <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, stay safe out there, and uh, uh, we'll be in touch soon again, okay? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That's Mike Peluso. Uh, Mike Peluso Outdoors now, if you want to uh, get on board and, and get a hold of them and do some uh, do some fishing, uh, whether it's winter or summer, uh, that's the place to go. He will guide you to the biggest and best of the, of the walleye that there are in the state of North Dakota. So we're going to take one more quick break, and I'll come back and wrap up another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit you use. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy with you. Not from my familiar perch in Scottsdale, Arizona, but from the perch uh, high atop the Ralph Engelstead Arena here in Grand Forks, North Dakota, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, continues as we talked uh, a little bit more about our AHL teams. The Henderson Silver Knights, uh, like I said, have just been off to an unbelievable start. And uh, when you see what, uh, what Coach Manny Liberos has done with that roster and the way he's put them together and uh, made the best of it, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, if you haven't seen the video from Oscar Dance and his save last night, uh, you definitely want to do that because uh, that's on our Twitter page at IceTimeSW or on the website IceTimeHockeySW.com. You can check it out as well. Uh, what a great save he made. And uh, Oscar, I think, had 48 last night in that win. So congratulations to, to him as well. As I said, the Silver Knights are, remain on top of the division with an 11-2 and 0 mark, 22 points on the year, and 8.46 winning percentage. Not so bad for being the first team uh, uh to uh, to play out of Henderson, Nevada. So uh, we look into the uh, the NHL and what we've got going on there. Of course, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights will play again tonight. Uh, they continue to hold the uh, the top spot in uh, the uh, Honda West Division. Um, Mark Andre Fleury back in goal again tonight for the uh, the Golden Knights. And uh, Robin Leonard, I understand, was on the ice practicing today. So when I get back into the area, I will check that out. One final shout-out to, uh, to Joey Decord, uh, the ASU goaltender who made his first NHL uh, start last night. Uh, actually got his first NHL win. He started a game in the past. But last night was unusual. It was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
it was at home in, in uh, Ontario. And if you've seen the clips or pictures or video um, and you know Joey like we do, um, what a great guy and, and what a emotional night it was for him to, to get the win. And as always, he deflected it to his teammates. He, uh, he wouldn't uh, take a lot of the credit himself. So uh, shout out to Joey for earning that first win. And, of course, uh, when you do it against the likes of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews and, and uh, Mitch Marner and that group, uh, you're doing something right. So congratulations, Joey Decord. We'll say goodnight on that note. And uh, we'll talk to you all again tomorrow night uh, for College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Paul Hornstein will join me again. We'll be back and uh, talking um, the NCHC Frozen Faceoff. Have a good night, everybody. 